Hi, this is Chris Sample, and today I'm sitting down with Jessica Lee, our National Vice President for Student Affairs. As the National VPSA, she's responsible for representing the active membership of the fraternity. Jessica, that sounds pretty vague. How would you describe your role in the fraternity? Uh, actually, it is really vague. Um, if you were to look into into the National Constitution, um, 3.208, it defines the duties of uh, VPSA. Um, and some students actually don't realize this, that you can actually be a student and be part of the National Council. Um, v- the VPSA position was created um, to be the voice of the active membership. So um, you just have to be 23 years old, and there might be some students out there that are that age. Um, so you don't have to be um, graduated or have a degree um, to serve in this position. But if you were to look at the 3.28 in the National Constitution, it says that we, my position attends all National Council meetings. There, um, I'm a representative of the active members of the fraternity at all times, um, and that um, I communicate with district officers, a summary of our actions and meetings. Um, so that's why you see the VPSA position really change um, each biennium, because it's kind of the catch-all position um the we you know we serve at the pleasure of the national president um and the national president um those things that happen that are going on in the biennium that are initiatives um that we're trying to move forward the national president will often assign um tasks for the vpsa to undertake so I do several things um, uh, as part of uh, the National Council. One, I do communicate with the district officers. We actually meet each month um, in student advisory committee meetings. Um, I talk to them about um, what we're doing on the council. Um, We usually have topics we discuss. Um, Sometimes it's been road to wisdom. Sometimes it's been tell us what events are going on in your district. It just depends. Um, We do district updates. Um, So all of our district officers are invited to the meetings. Um, And then um, we just make sure that at least one representative from each district is there if everybody can't attend. So we do do district updates, talk about um, challenges they might be facing, questions that they get um, from their members um, that they might ask me. Uh, Sometimes we have someone else sit in our meeting. So we might invite, for example, Evan Thompson um, into a meeting um, to talk about a particular topic. So they do change uh, from month to month. I also sit, so I'm the chair of that committee, Student Advisory Committee, um, and that committee does meet at National Convention. Um, We do review whatever topics are set on the agenda by the national president. Um, And part of that is also now choosing the winner of the Ken Corbett Award uh, for Most Improved Chapter. Um, In addition to Student Advisory Committee, um, we've created our communications team, which we've talked about. um, And a part of that communications team is this podcast now. Um, And our communications team is really trying to take our communication to the next level. We have different leads um, in the fraternities. So um, social media. So we have someone that's a lead on Facebook, somebody that's a lead for our Instagram, which is new. Um, We just created that this year um, for Twitter, for YouTube, um, and then also for the podcast. So... We're trying to work together. We also work with other committees and our national officers um, and put information out. So if you see different things now on our Facebook, on our Twitter, um, on our Instagram, it's probably coming from our uh, newly created communications team, which is made up of alumni and active members, um, 17 of us actually, um, that are all throughout the country. Um, So though that is not something that this position has done before, it's brand new that I uh, helped create uh, this year. 
and then um, in addition to that, um, uh, Brother President has also uh, assigned me to be on uh, the Ritual Education and Performance Committee. So I'm a member of that committee. Um, and we are working to develop a book um, about the ritual, post-initiate um, education uh, lessons about the ritual. Um, since I was a member of the team that wrote The Road to Wisdom, I'm helping kind of make sure that our formatting and the process that we went through to write The Road to Wisdom is similar to what you'll see in the new book that we're creating. And then, of course, I still sit on the curriculum committee um, reviewing Road to Wisdom. And uh, many of you will probably see my name when you're getting your calendar reviewed um, because I do review calendars. So all of those things, the majority of them are not in the National Constitution. There are those other duties as assigned uh, by the national president. Um, but I love my job and what I do, and I'm proud to be uh, the voice of the students and to serve the fraternity in this capacity. You just answered like four of the questions I just written down to ask you, so good job on that. <laughs> you had mentioned that active brothers can serve in this role. Would you consider this to be kind of like an entry level to the national offices kind of situation? Um, a lot of people view it um, as that because it is a position that you can – I don't want to say easily do because there's a lot of work that happens, but um, you can come into this position without having a lot of knowledge necessarily about the national fraternity and how it works, but more about how you can represent the students, what you can bring to the table um, as far as communication skills, because that really is a part of this position. Um, and um, if you're thinking about wanting to take the next step and serve the fraternity at this level, if you feel like um, this would be a position for you. Um, if you have great communication and collaboration skills, um, enjoy working with students, then this would definitely be a position to consider. So I know your husband, Jack, also served as VPSA. Was there any pressure from him to go out and run for the office? You know, it's so funny, Chris, because I watched Jack for 10 years serve on the National Council, and I've encouraged many people to run for the National Council or to take the next, next step in the fraternity, um, because I think um, as good alumni in the organization, we should always be looking out for people um, to take the next step and, and tapping into those people that we see leadership qualities in and encouraging them. So that's kind of been my role. I love to present workshops. That's really my passion. And I do do a lot of that in my role um, as VPSA. I love to do virtual workshops. And if you're listening in and you're curious about that, you can email me at jessicalee at kksi.org if you'd like a virtual workshop with your chapter. Um, but Quick no. little plug there. Nice job. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, actually, um, it, it once, um, you know, Jack was moving off the council, um, I served for two years when he was national president on the curriculum committee. Um, and I really enjoyed taking that larger role in the fraternity. And so um, there were some brothers that kind of reached out to me and said, hey, you should take the next step and talked about it with Jack. And uh, he was very encouraging, too. And so, um, you know, it, I think you just have to be willing to put yourself out there. I was a district president. Um, 
Um, but before I was district president, I actually ran for member at large in the Northeast District and lost that election, um, even though I was slated. And that was really hard. Um, and I have to credit um, some good people in my life, uh, Dr. Kirk Randazzo uh, and Ken Corbett, both past national presidents who were there when I lost that election, who told me to keep going and keep trying um, and that um, things don't always work out the way you want it to, but that doesn't mean that it's not in the cards. So um, I've it's been a leadership journey um, and I love uh, being on the council. It's not what I ever would have thought would have happened for me um, if you had asked me that when I was a student. Um, but I think most people that serve on the National Council would probably tell you that. So what initially got you involved with Cap Kappa Psi? How did, how did this whole journey start for you? Well, <laughs> you know, when um, I so I went to Lock Haven University, of Pennsylvania, which is a tiny state school um, right in the center of Pennsylvania, uh, north of Penn State, um, Amish country in the mountains, beautiful. Um, and our band is majority non-major, um, a small band. We do band because we love it um, and uh, went to college to be a teacher and knew I wanted to do band. I'd done band all through high school. I'm a percussionist um, and I was a drum major in high school. So I decided to join band. And one of the first people I met was Ed Savoy, um, who was actually on our board of trustees. And um, he, he was one of the first people to talk to me about Cap Cap Psi. And, it, you know, it was the job I'd always done because in high school I was a percussionist. I was always moving things and helping out and doing things. And so it was a natural role to fall into in college. Um, but, you know, I always tell people that, yes, I wanted to serve the band, but we joined Cap Cap Psi because of people. And we stay because of people. It's relationships. Because without relationships, there's no fraternity. You know, fraternity is brotherhood. It's people. And so um, I joined because of the people. And I'm thankful I did. And I'm still involved because of people. And I have relationships with brothers across the country now that, you know, you included, um, that uh, I never would have had um, had I never been a brother, including finding my husband. So um, Kappa Kappa Psi has shaped my entire life. Um, and uh, I, I, I probably have to go back and thank Ed Savoy um, because uh, he was really the first person to talk to me about Kappa Kappa Psi. So I know I have some favorite stories from my uh, time when I was active, you know, working Texas Motor Speedway and, and all those long hours. Do you have any favorite stories from your, your active time up at Lock Haven? <laughs> it's not it's not a fraternity well it is because it involved a brother but it's more of a band story um so Lockhaven, um the football field oversees the valley it's beautiful and it's a horrific march um up that hill um but it's really horrible i mean makes you want to puke um but when you get to the top all of our stands are on one side and the other side's completely open and you can um oversee the river um and the rest of campus and especially in the fall it is just absolutely gorgeous um, and so to come onto the field um, we would always walk around to the other side of the track where there were no stands and we would wait there and then we would march straight onto the field so uh, I was we were waiting there was probably a minute left on the clock and we were standing there and my good friend Diana who played the tuba was standing there with me and I was I played snare drum I played snare drum for five years in the band um, and I was messing around as one does when you're bored and waiting and I dropped my drumstick in her tuba 
<laughs> oh no. And I didn't have any more in my <laughs> stick bag. So I literally we couldn't get it out. And I literally had to take off my drum, bolt around the track, because I couldn't go across, obviously. So I had to bolt around the track, run into the stands, grab my stick. Professor Schmidt didn't even say a word to me, our band director. He literally just looked at me. And I just got the the eyes. You know, everybody gets that look. Just got the eyes, ran around the track, put my drum on, and marched onto the field. I will never forget it as long as I live. And we had to take apart that tuba to get that stick out. It was disgusting. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So it really has nothing to do with fraternity, but it is the most ridiculous band story that I have. That's hilarious. (laughs) So you were talking a little bit about the road to wisdom earlier. I know you had a lot to do with the the kind of the formation of of all of that. You want to talk a little bit more about how that came to be and and the big changes that uh, the brothers should be looking out for? You know, the idea of a national membership education program came from Christine Beeson, past national president Christine Beeson. Um, And um, they had done a lot of exploratory work in the two years before uh, Jack's Biennium about what would this look like? What would an outline be? What did brothers want? And so when Jack appointed that committee, um, it was a a small committee of brothers, um, myself, uh, Evan Thompson, who was became VPCM and also an educator, myself as an educator, a curriculum director, Um, Yvonne Day, um, past CFR, had worked at headquarters, had been a chapter and colony education coordinator, also an educator, Um, uh, Ken Corbett, past national president, and Ken, um, you know, in the 90s, he created, developed the CFR program. So he had been through a huge change in the fraternity and knew what it was like to um, kind of overcome those things. Um, and and then Jack is ex officio. So um, a small committee um, of brothers um, and uh, we took what information we get, we had gotten um, from the previous biennium and then just started to um, flesh out those lessons, come up with ideas, um, piloted it in the piloting program gave us the best feedback. I mean, we still get great feedback from chapters and we always want to hear that because we're continually um, developing more tools, um, refining what we have, fixing processes because um, it changed the face of membership education for the fraternity. Um, And so it was a tedious process, but very... um, I I don't think I can put into words what it felt like to watch that get passed because... There was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but I was so proud to be part of something so great. Um, And honestly, for me, it was a bigger moment than when I got elected VPSA because um, it it just was so wonderful to see our brothers overwhelmingly accept this new change. And not without hiccups and not without bumps in the road, but um, just their willingness to be open and to... Um, be better um, because our our membership education is usually what gets us in trouble and this has helped it and it's the truth um, and and it's not always intentional either you know and so this has helped really refine what we do um, make sure that people understand we're joining a national fraternity and we were way behind if you when we created this program we looked at several other um, fraternities um, and their membership education documents Alpha Kappa Psi was one of them um, and um, which is a, a business for frater- service fraternity and so um, 
we looked at what other people were doing um, because most chapters or most fraternities and sororities have a prescribed membership education program. And so um, we, we were behind compared to other um, organizations. And so we took great things, pieces um, that we found, things that we liked. Sometimes it was just formatting things. Um, Robert did an excellent job uh, formatting our, our documents and making it look beautiful. Um, and so um, I, it's, I'm very proud of how far we've come. Um, I really enjoy working with the chapters now, um, helping looking at their calendars. Um, and now our conversation has really shifted from what to teach to now, how do we select the best members? Um, how do we teach in a way that's engaging? So we know what we're teaching, but how do we deliver it in a way that um, is exciting and um, gets our candidates excited about joining Kappa Kappa Psi. And that's all up my alley because I'm a curriculum and instruction person and that's what I do in my job. So um, I do workshops on uh, the road to wisdom. You'll probably see me at conventions in the spring. Um, I'm attending... Midwest Convention, Southeast Convention, and North Central Convention. So um, you'll probably see me there, um, maybe doing a Road to Wisdom workshop, because um, I do do a, a VPM training. So Awesome. So uh, just real quick, what's something that you're looking forward to over this biennium? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm really looking forward to... Um, the Ritual Education and Performance Committee. Um, our work um, on that committee is really exciting. Um, and um, we are really looking at how our values um, are exemplified within our ritual, um, how we can be not just better brothers, but better people, um, and the lessons that we can pull out and creating some tools for chapters to really dive in. Um, and then also um, creating some workshops that can be presented um, when you go to conventions or a um, national convention um, that brothers can participate in. But um, we're really looking at the lessons and, and figuring out um, what tools we can provide chapters so they can have um, better conversations about the ritual. And that's really uh, exciting work. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to traveling. Actually, this weekend, I'm on Sunday. Um, I'm a speaker for the Michigan uh, Leadership uh, Retreat that they're doing. All the Michigan schools got together, picked a date. They applied for a chapter development grant, which you can do through the fraternity. Um, and uh, they're bringing out Jack and I. Um, so we're going to talk about leadership on Sunday. Um, and then I'm also traveling in October um, to do the membership edu education retreat for the Southeast District at uh, North Carolina A&T. Um, so I do have some traveling this fall um, that I'm looking forward to as well. And I'm always looking forward to interacting with more brothers across the country, hearing their stories and doing whatever I can to help support them in serving bands. So we have a big anniversary coming up. Any big plans? <laughs> um, soon, a website will be revealed. Okay. Um, yes. So um, no sneak peeks on any of this stuff then? No, soon a website will be revealed. <laughs> um, and there's some great resources uh, that'll be coming out for that. Um, uh Brother President um, Evan uh, and uh, uh, Sister President 
uh, Jonathan um, are actually getting together with uh, Steve Nelson, our executive director in Stillwater um, in two weeks um, to really go over a schedule, um, which they'll then go over with us. We know bits and pieces. The big thing to know is that on the Saturday of convention, convention's actually uh, right now slated to end on Friday, and that Saturday would be our centennial celebrations. Um, So um, going to um, headquarters, um, doing, um, going through the graveyards and doing the tour, um, all of our centennial celebrations will be on Saturday, and that's kind of the schedule they have now. Um, So um, there's some great regalia that's going to be coming out, um, some really uh, neat things. Um, A lot of stuff is going to be revealed, um, I think, in November. So be watching for that. All right. Very cool. So how can people contact you if they need to get a hold of you about something? My email is Jessica Lee at KKSci.org. Um, so you can email me anytime. Um, and then usually I give out my my cell um, if you need it. Um, so just email me. I'm happy to contact you, work with you in any way. Like I said, a virtual workshops. If you have a, a question about the road to wisdom, um, if you're just going through some chapter issues, um, anything. My, my Again, my position is just to be here for the act membership so uh, whatever you need i'm here awesome well thank you jessica for sitting down with us today we're so glad that we could hear a little bit more about your position and especially for those people that don't know exactly what vpsa <laughs> entails uh thanks for all that insight thanks is so there much. anything else no <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off on this one? No, I appreciate you, Chris. And uh, for the listeners out there, Chris and I have known each other uh, a long time. Um, He's a brother from the Delta Sigma chapter, an alumnus from the Delta Sigma chapter at University of Texas at Arlington, uh, which is where my husband is from. And so Chris and I have been friends and brothers for several years. And so it's neat to be interviewed by you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that I had the pleasure to interview you. I'm really happy to see you in this position under are going to do great things with it. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Russell House, and I'm talking to you today along with Adam Cantley. He is the chair of the Kappa Kappa Psi Board of Trustees. And so we're just going to have a little chat today about, you know, just things that involve his position and what maybe things are going on in nationals right now and just kind of his past and how he's been involved with the fraternity. So thank you for coming on, Adam. Uh, glad you had a chance to make it and come speak with us. Happy to be here always. It's always good to talk to brothers and talk about the fraternity. All right. Awesome. So let's uh, let's just kind of get started for right now. So you are the chair of the Board of Trustees. So for the people who may not know, what is what is involved in that role? What does that role entail? Sure. So I think you have to think of it separately than our national council. And so our national council with uh, Evan as president or the president running that that side of the house, the board of trustees is uh, a part of that work, but separate. We're looking more at um, the business aspect of the fraternity, the long term future of the fraternity and um, supporting that both financially and um and through the management of portfolios and practices. I think the other thing is is that we are the entity that's responsible for funding our national intercollegiate band. So uh, the NIB is funded through the joint work of the Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma Board of Trustees. That's a big part of the work that we do. And uh, we are a body of people that supports the council work, but 
if something would happen um, with the council, we can step in and support that. Um, so if one day they would all vanish and go uh, live in uh, a foreign country and live on a beach somewhere, then we would help keep the fraternity moving forward mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Nice. And so I just just wanted to touch upon it. You said that you uh, work on the NIB with uh, the as well with the Nationals of Tau Beta Sigma. Do you guys get like a lot of interaction between the two organizations? Yeah, I mean, so Kathy Godwin, she is the chair of the Tau Beta Sigma Board of Trustees, a life member from the Omega chapter of TBS from the University of Arizona. And first of all, I've known Kathy since I was 20, and um, we've been longtime friends and uh, supported one another in both of our respective journeys uh, within the organizations that we are both a part of. Um, so every time that we have uh, the board meets uh, annually for sure every summer. So the Kappa Kappa Psi National Board of Trustees meets every summer. Um, Tau Beta Sigma's board also meets every summer, and we always do a joint meeting when we're together. Um, so we just did that this past July in Stillwater. We were all in Stillwater together, and we meet regularly. But Kathy and I are in regular communication and have a great relationship. And um, somebody that I have loved and admired for a long time, and I feel very fortunate to work with her. All right. So obviously, it seems as though being the chair of the board of trustees means you've had quite a bit of involvement uh, <laughs> being a brother. You were at one point national president, weren't you? I was national president uh, for the fraternity during the 2011-2013 biennium. Yes, that's so, what I served as national president. So that's like amazing. It definitely shows you have a lot of passion. But, you know, also everyone has to start somewhere. I don't think, you know, right. you could have went straight from the initiation process and then, you know, put your name on the ballot uh, to immediately become national president. So, like, how did you get started? Where did you go to school? Uh, like, what instrument did you play? And, like, how did you, what, what got you involved? What made you want to join uh, the fraternity? So, I mean, I was a super involved band nerd like so many of our brothers. And um, I'm going to let you guess. What do you think I played? Oh, oh that's a hard one, Russell. Is it woodwind or brass? I'm not going to tell you. That's, uh, you got to guess. Straight out the gate. I want to say, like, I mean, I'm a saxophone, so I always want to say saxophone because of that. But then... I could also see, like, maybe baritone or something. I don't know. Go with your be... gut. I'll, I'll stick with baritone, but I feel like I could be wrong. You should have said saxophone because that's oh. what I played. <laughs> I was right? close. Okay. Yep, played saxophone um, uh, just like everybody else started when I was, um, like, 11 playing the saxophone. And I did uh, marching band and concert band. I went to West Virginia University and was part of the college band program at, at WU and was initiated into the Omicron chapter of Kappa Kappa Psi. Second semester of my freshman year, so spring of 1999 is when I joined the fraternity. And, um, yeah, I was involved as a student, held leadership positions uh, within my chapter. I was parliamentarian and our vice president for membership education. And then I served three years on the Northeast District Council, my last being Northeast District president. uh, And that was in... 2001-2002. And then I went on to work for the fraternity as a national chapter field representative once I graduated from WU. So I did two years as a a CFR, uh, driving around the country and and meeting brothers and uh, faculty and staff at universities and alumni and living that experience. And then um, joined our national council during the 2005-2007 biennium and then stayed on up through the national officer positions to become president. Nice. So, like, it seems like, what, so 1999, it's now 2018, so 
almost <laughs> 20 years, if I'm doing the math right, of involvement in the fraternity. So definitely uh, that's actually yeah. going to be interesting. I guess your 20th anniversary will be on the centennial in the centennial year, right? It will be. So I will hit 20 on uh, March 20th, uh, 2019. So, so you could basically say you've been involved for about a fifth of the fraternity's history almost. You know, Russell, we're doing a lot to date in this podcast. Currently. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I just, sure, we can say that. <laughs> is it, that that no. just means, you know, you've definitely have seen a lot and, you know, you've done a lot. Is there any like, you know, parts of your journey that you think like you look back and it's like, wow, that was a really cool thing that happened. And, you know, people should hear about like maybe, you know, they've never heard of this before, but, you know, it was a really cool story or something that, you know, a moment that was really special to you. Oh, man, I think the opportunity to work for the organization and be a CFR is something that that I'm so grateful for. So I went to college and um, went to West Virginia for five years and got a bachelor's and master's degree. Um, uh, the goal, I was going to be a high school science teacher. So I have my bachelor's degree in integrated sciences, biology, my master's degree in secondary ed. And um got this great opportunity. And really, I don't think a lot of people know is that because I accepted that opportunity to be a, be a CFR, it 100% shifted my career plan and path. I fell in love and working uh, on a college campus, supporting college students. And so through that and through the great mentorship of folks like Dr. Melinda Matney, who is a past national president and life member, um, and the sponsor at new and other folks, um, really changed my career to become a full-time person who is working in college student affairs and student life. So, um, yeah, I, I really think about, you know, my life would be very different if I hadn't gotten that opportunity to be a CFR and work for the fraternity and really find kind of my passion. I, I wouldn't have had that chance if I hadn't done that. So, yeah, that's, that sound that sounds terrific. And so you mentioned like, I guess Melinda, it was definitely a big influence on you. Is there anyone else like, or there, was there like a person who like was your inspiration, you know, whether it was to join the fraternity in the first place or mm. to like, you know, take that next step. Maybe you were hesitant about like, you know, making a decision, but they're just like, I have your back. I support you. I think you'll do a great job with that. The person I always talk about that really got me excited about the fraternity. I talk a lot about recruitment and I say that people don't join Kappa Kappa Psi. People join other people and people that they resonate mm -hmm. with. And yep. there's a lot of folks who talk about that for organization recruitment. And so the person, because we all have the person that gets us excited about the fraternity, um, was uh, a sophomore brother in my rank. Her name was Vicki Lancaster. Um, and I was just talking about this kind of organization as something that I wanted to do. And she was um, so involved. She was a vice president of service for the chapter. She always had such a great attitude. Um, and she was the one who said, you know, I think you'd be really a good fit for the organization. So I always tell her it's your fault that, <laughs> that I joined the group and, um, you know, became a membership candidate to join the fraternity because she was just somebody that I wanted to be with and somebody that I looked up to in my band program and somebody who I felt joined the fraternity for all the right reasons. Um, it's funny now she's currently, um, back on faculty at West Virginia university. And she's one of the sponsors for the chapter that we were both part of now. That, oh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. PhD and went back to faculty at West Virginia. Now she's a chapter sponsor there. So I'm excited because I think about all of the brothers that are joining now who get the opportunity to meet with her and learn from her. And it's really exciting. 
that's so you, you get to look forward to like you know these new people, these new sponsors. You know, I, one of the things I always find mo- very exciting about being a brother is just like the opportunity to meet other people. You know, absolutely. Just so like, I mean, I went to national convention uh, in twenty sixteen or sorry twenty seventeen down in Orlando. I had a blast. I met so many people. Uh, I learned about the podcast in the first place uh, from that event and stuff. And you know, I've gone to a plethora of district events. Uh, besides that, is there any like maybe one event you've gone to that was just like man like i could just feel the energy there like i it just sits with me i just like unforgettable experience you know i think i go to my first national convention i think uh i was uh, i was super involved in the district so i could have gone to the summer national convention in 1999 after i joined but i chose to take chemistry and get ahead in my major instead which i guess was the responsible choice at the time so i missed my first national convention as a student because i was in chemistry class um but i think for me uh that first national convention was 2001. It was in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, at one point voted the hottest and sweatiest city in America. And I feel that I can say being in there in late July, we experienced that. Um, I was serving as Northeast district president at that convention and, um, the ability just to connect with the other district presidents at that time across the country that some of them, I still talk to regularly. They are my friends and, and we see each other frequently to build that connection and to see what this was about on a grand scale was amazing. I just, I left that with a whole different understanding of our fraternity and what it was about and how it operated across the country and the power of the organization and meeting all these people who I had never met in my life, but knowing that we had this one thing in common and then we could build from there um, was absolutely fantastic. This is, uh, I guess, more of a personal question because I've always wondered this. Like, we have so much in terms of social media these days, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like, I've always wondered, like, how was it like how do you man how do you guys manage like back in those days to I trying not to date you even more but like you know <laughs> you make these special relationships over the week and like you know today I can just add them on Facebook you know I can add them on Snapchat follow them on Instagram did you right. like you know exchange numbers you know exchange addresses I mean I think the internet was I don't know if it was there or if it was like a couple oh my years. God, yes, there, the but. internet was there. <laughs> I, I was born in 97, so I, I'm, I a little, I'm still a youngin. But I had an email all through college. Um, I think you're but you're right, though. A lot of just kind of the, the proliferation of, of digital media and digital content was happening around the late 90s, early 2000s. So I remember us being so cutting edge by making a GeoCities website where brothers could go and learn about our district council. Um, AOL Instant Messenger. Me and my friends were joking about that the other day. You had, it was just a chat applet that you could leave up all day, and mm-hmm. there was like contest to see who could have like the wittiest away messages and all of those kinds of things. Nice, so we nice. had AOL Instant Messenger and a lot of chat functions. But I mean, you had to be sitting at your computer to do it. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think there was a lot more. Like we're going to call each other. We're going to be intentional about that. Um, but yeah, definitely not social media, Instagram, all that kind of stuff that I think really has the opportunity to help people form relationships very quickly um, and get to know one another. But yeah, no, you had to you had to pick up the phone and call some people. I was mailing a lot of things. Now you like we used to call them the rainbow books um, mm-hmm. and people 
those of us that are old enough to remember the rainbow books and listening to the podcast are like, Oh my God. But every fall, the national organization would send us like these updated manuals of what you were supposed to be doing in your chapter or the constitution after each national convention, they'd all be changed. But they, there's a blue one, a red one, a green one, a yellow one. And they would just come to your chapter in the mail and you would get this big thing of, of rainbow books. And I remember we were, uh, I think it was when I was CFR, we moved them all to a digital format. So we mailed all the chapters a CD of all the four. Oh, that's cool. Documents. Yeah. We were like, woo, look at all the money we're saving and we're so cutting edge. And now we just say it's online, the curve. Email, you know, um, and it, it was definitely a, a lot. It was a heavier lift to get some stuff done than, than it is now. I think it it works good in two ways, I think, or like, you know, it's there's, you know, all the technological advances we have are like terrific and stuff, you know, it makes it a lot easier to contact. But, you know, there's always like, I always say that, like, you know, picking up the phone and calling someone, which, you know, versus texting, some people like don't prefer it. But like, you know, the action of actually calling someone, you can always get, I think, more out of a conversation like that. And I think it's a good way to stay in touch with people. So it, I, I, it can both work to your favor, I guess, back then. And, you know, maybe it might not be as convenient as now, but moving on, moving along. Um, so you were talking, we were talking a little bit about like a uh, national convention, you know, back uh, when you're starting, but I, we do have a very special national convention yes, coming up uh, yeah. next year. These, you know, the centennial of the fraternity 2019. Uh, what do you, is, what are you looking mo- most forward to uh, coming into the, the new year or the next year, knowing uh, like what it means for the fraternity as a whole? Wow. I think that's such a, a great question. And I'm going to go back to something that you said and um, that resonated with me. And the reason why I stay involved is the people that this organization has brought into my life is it's, that's one of the reasons why I love it so much and why I keep coming back and volunteering and supporting the organization, but the opportunity to gather with my brothers and my sisters and those who support our organization um, in the place that we were created is amazing to be honestly fortunate enough to kind of be alive for this snapshot in time is, is so exciting. Very special, yeah. Um, yeah. So special. And I really appreciate, you know, Evan is national president and, um, Ken Corbett and Jack Lee, who are kind of, co- who are co-chairing our centennial committee. You know, I get, they asked me to be a part of that, which is amazing. So I get to be part of the group that's helping plan all the different events that we're doing in Stillwater. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me what they are. I'm not going to spoil alert. Anything. Don't worry. I won't. I, I, <laughs> I want to be surprised, you know, it'll be cooler when I get there and be like, wow, look at this. Here's my one spoiler. I just reviewed a really cool website with that team and it has some really neat functions that I'm excited for them to roll out. Um, yeah, so we, we started working on the rollout plan in July when we were all together. So I think that the opportunity to be with people that I love, it's not even saying that in any type of exaggeration, people that I genuinely love and celebrate something that has given us all so much is something that I can't wait to be a part of. Um, and I can't wait to share with even the people that I don't even know, just get to watch people's faces, watch people engage with the fraternity in a very special way is going to be off the charts. Amazing. Oh, that's all. Oh, I'm like, I'm already excited for national convention, but hearing you talk about it just is getting me more excited. It's like, is it like next, you know, is it next summer yet? So, uh, I definitely uh, share in your emotions and I definitely am looking forward to meeting up with some people that, you know, I haven't seen since last national convention or like, you know, and on top of that meeting new and, 
more like meeting right. new brothers and new sisters that, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet. So I think it is going to be a very, very special time for the fraternity and uh, and the sorority. You know, they'll be there, too. And but, you know, having that being able to celebrate the centennial of the organization is something uh, yeah. truly, truly special. It's um, exciting. And I. I like I love Stillwater. I you know I went there um, to be a CFR. Ended up staying, going to Oklahoma State to get another graduate degree. Um, so going to Stillwater for me is like going um, kind of home in a lot of different ways. So um, I, anytime I can get to go there and spend time with people, it's I'm definitely all about it. And it'll be nice. Like I don't have to worry about oh where's this, where's that. I know, and I can drive around. That's always a bonus. Oh, I know where everything is. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm super excited to go to Stillwater because I've heard I have a. I have one or two friends in Alpha Chapter and like they tell me all these stories and like, you know, they'll send me pictures of, you know, like national headquarters and they'll be like, I want to go there. But, you know, just got to wait, best, wait till yeah. next year. My best Stillwater story is like when I when I lived there, I went to there was this old it's closed now, but it was like a hardware paint shop and that they sold like wooden Greek letters. So if you were going to make something for somebody, um, um, the alpha chapter, they don't like a lot of chapter do's do plaques or paddles, but they make wooden bow ties, B-O-H ties, but in the shape of the decorate them. They're so cool. I have mine downstairs from being initiated as an honorary. And I went to the shop to get something, some like a KK side Greek letters to make something for someone and a sticker. And I went up there and I was checking out and the, the, the man behind the counter was an older gentleman. He was like, Oh, Kappa Kappa Psi, that's Frank's group. And I went, excuse me? He was like, yeah. Oh. He goes, yeah, A. Frank Martin. I used to play in his backyard when I was a kid. I was friends with, you oh know, so-and-so. And I was wow. like, this is ridiculous. Like, where am I? What's happening? <laughs> so, oh, that's, that's, that. wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it was. it's just a cool place where there's history in the town, and we're part of that history. And it's kind of neat to see it when those worlds collide. Awesome. Well, I, I'm going to just ask you one more question, uh, just uh, kind of drawing from all the experience experience you've had uh throughout your time in the fraternity is there any ad, ad, like advice you could give to i guess two types of people the active brothers who are listening to this right now you know they're still going through college they still have the opportunity to do all these things with their bands uh and, you know also to those alums who are listening to it who maybe you know either they just graduated last semester or they've been alums for 10 years like but you know they listen to this and they feel like they still have a passion for the fraternity but they don't really maybe perhaps know where to direct it any advice sure. for the, them I'll start with students. I mean, I think for, for students, I, I say, um, you know, maximize every opportunity our fraternity gives you, um, meet new people, go to leadership events, um, give back to your band all through our organization and really kind of dig deep into why you want to be a member, um, dig deep into our ritual and talk about how it can, um, really impact your daily life and what you choose to do to make yourself, um, a good steward of that ritual. You made a promise, uh, to uphold that. Um, so really dig deep into that and figure out why you're involved and continue to focus on that and our values. And if that's how you align your decision-making with our organization and the things you choose to do, it's, it's really hard to go wrong. Um, and you'll hopefully get the best experience you possibly can from our organization if you do that. And then I think for alumni, um, I think a lot of alumni think that the only way to stay involved is to become like a national leader, a governor, something like that. But there are a lot of opportunities to get involved through our alumni association, um, through uh, things like 
committees that the national president puts together. So reaching out to Evan and asking what opportunities exist um, through our curriculum uh, program right now. We have a lot of great curriculum advisors who are alum and um, really looking at what you can do to give back to Cabot Cabot with the Alumni Association, starting a local chapter, um, things like that. There's so many great opportunities because we all made uh, a promise not to be uh, dedicated to our fraternity for the time that we're in college. We said we would do this for the rest of our life. So we need to do that and finding different ways to plug in and get involved. And don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. Hey, reach out to me and we can talk about it. And I would love to see more alumni back. And I'm sure we will see a ton of them uh, in Stillwater next summer. I'll... Terrific advice. I think it's great for anyone listening. I think they can draw upon that. Uh, so I guess in closing, uh, you know, we're hearing all this great stuff from you. It's, it's terrific to have you on the podcast, but if people want to like, maybe they have, they're listening to this and they're inspired and they want to ask you questions or want to ask you advice or just, you know, Sure. Talk to you, get to know you. What would be the best way for someone to approach that? Yeah, there's. A, I mean, we were talking about social media. I'm I'm on all of them. So I'm on Facebook, Adam Cantley. Uh, Instagram, Adam Can Graham. Twitter, Adam Can Tweet. I'm there. LinkedIn, Adam Can Link. Yeah, there's a theme. It's about building a personal brand, Russell. You should. You need to there do it. <laughs> um, and then, of course, always email. Um, I have a Kappa Kappa side uh, org account. It's Adam Cantley at KKPSI. Org. So there's all the ways to reach me. All right. And is there a good way to, uh, and I've heard you have a very uh, cute dog. Is there any uh, way to, you know, follow your dog in its life? Duffy is uh, the elder stateswoman of our home. She is an eight-year-old English bulldog who rules the roost, but she has her own hashtag, Duffy Dog Life. Some other dogs are trying to steal it from her. There's some rogue Duffies out there, but we have flooded it. So she will have the most pictures, and she is an amazing English bulldog. And she is the reason why I had to come upstairs to do this conversation because she snorts and snores as loud as a human, and she would be in the background as an audio. I once was muted during a national <laughs> council Skype call because they could only hear Duffy. <laughs> so, oh, all right. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for uh, coming on the podcast. It's great to listen to you. It's great to you know hear about all your experiences and like what makes you passionate about the fraternity. And I really do hope that uh, everyone listening to the, here can just kind of you know draw inspiration from you and all the terrific things that you've done and, you know, use that as fuel to kind of push themselves forward, uh, in their own fraternal journey. So thank you. And thank you, Russell. And, uh, thank you for all you do for the fraternity. You're doing a lot work, more work than I am as an active student. So I appreciate it. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Russell House again, and I'm speaking with Jack Lee today. He is the immediate past president of Kappa Kappa Psi, and he's going to just go introduce himself real quick and tell you a little bit about what it means to be the immediate past president of the fraternity. Well, first off, thanks, Russell, for having me. Um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate from the standpoint of I've got to do a handful of podcasts over the years, um, more over the past three years when we first started this uh, last biennium with Zach Humphrey as our vice president for student affairs. Um, and I, I I think it's very exciting uh, to be able to just be a part of it and continue to do that as we're in a different biennium now uh, with Evan Thompson as our national president and Jessica Lee as our vice president for student affairs. Uh, you know, the immediate past national president position is kind of a unique one uh, from the standpoint of uh, you kind of have a dual role. Uh, you are a member of the National Council uh, from the mm -hmm. standpoint of you're attending those meetings and you're providing some input uh, and some, some thoughts uh, to the decisions that the National Council 
Council makes, uh, but you're not a voting member of the National Council at that point. Uh, you ended that when you finished that presidency term. Uh, and then I that see. second part of the role uh, is is being a member of the Board of Trustees and being a voting member of, that, of the board. Uh, and so I have uh, it's very unique from the standpoint of I get to see both sides of the national organization oh, yeah. uh, with both the Board of Trustees and the National Council. But it's an exciting one from the standpoint of I'm not near as busy as I was a couple of years ago. And yeah, I so can't imagine. I, <laughs> I get to I get to hear uh, and talk with Evan Thompson regularly, um, and we have some good conversations uh, about the future of the fraternity and where we're going. Um, and it's just nice to sit back and see him and the passion that he has, and to be able to just help and support him and the entire National Council as much as possible. I mean, that sounds super exciting. I I, I can't imagine. I have to imagine it's it's pretty nice to kind of, especially after I guess. To a whole biennium of just kind of going to have, you know, you're still involved. You still get to, you know, see the day to day and stuff, but you don't have to, you know, be maybe the one losing any sleep over certain things like you can kind of rest a little bit and like give advice and stuff while uh, not necessarily being, you know, the head anymore. Oh, definitely. I joke all the time um, that I have the best role in the fraternity because I, I, I get to um, and, and to make fun of myself. I, at times I get to be an elder statesman, which means I just get to say some things, but I'm not the one who has to do any of it. And so it's nice to be able to help um, and support. And, and I do get tasked with several responsibilities throughout the biennium, specifically from the national president and then the work with the board of trustees. So it's not completely downtime, um, oh, yeah. but it is definitely more down than in, uh, serving as national president. Yeah, I can imagine. And so I, I can't imagine that you went through the ritual and then immediately got elected national president. So like, <laughs> how would you, how did you get started? Like, where did, where do you, like what university you come from? What chapter, uh, what instrument did you play? And like, how, what got yeah. you involved with the fraternity in the first place? Certainly. I, I think one of the best parts about Kappa Kappa Psi, uh, one of the best parts about Kappa Kappa Psi is the fact that uh, all of us share a unique experience uh, from the standpoint of we're all musicians um, and we're all band members. And so that that really um, creates a family atmosphere whenever we're at our conventions and different events um, that involve Kappa Kappa Psi. Absolutely. Um, I, I was in. I started my involvement with Kappa Kappa Psi at the University of Texas at Arlington, um, and I was initiated in 2005, March 13th, 2005, um, which was oddly at towards the end of my undergraduate work. Uh, I was initiated in March 2005, and I graduated with my bachelor's degree in December 2005. Oh, so you didn't um, have too much time as an active brother, did you? <laughs> well, I, I continued on, and I did my master's degree, um, and so while I since I went straight through with my master's uh, in music education at, at UT Arlington, um, I was able to continue to stay involved with the chapter, um, and I eventually uh, served as chapter president um, nice. for the Delta Sigma chapter there at UT Arlington, um, and in the year after that, I served as Southwest District President, um, and so that was from 2007 to 2008. And then just the idea of being involved on the national level was always something that was interesting um, and something that I was interested in, but not necessarily something that I always had as a goal. Um, I was just very fortunate from the standpoint of in 2009 at Phoenix, Arizona, I, I decided I was going to run for vice president for student affairs. Um, and I did that. And I, fortunately, I was elected to that position by the, the national chapter. Um, and I just kind of worked from there and served in all the other positions on the national council um, until I was national president now as immediate past president. So it was, it's been an exciting time. 
And you you said you've you've been on involved with the National Council for ten years. You said now. <laughs> yeah this this would start year ten. Oh, this, um, the, all the, right. Yeah, the, the 2018 to 2019 um, year would be year 10 for me because I started in 2009 on the National Council. Um, and it, it, I've seen a lot of fun things and um, probably one of the best parts of spending that time on the National Council and as part of the national leadership is getting to work alongside some pretty phenomenal brothers um, that have served as mentors and role models for me um, as I've developed my leadership capabilities and skills uh, as part of Kappa Kappa Psi, something that we hope every member at every chapter is getting the same opportunity to do, uh, even if it's just at their university with their chapter and their university band program. Very, very nice. It's, it's. I, I feel like you've, you must have at least seen a lot throughout your time on the National Council. Is there any like, you know, maybe anecdotes or personal stories that maybe aren't common knowledge that like you always like to, <laughs> you always like, you, you just keep, you keep to yourself, but like are willing to share. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, one of the ones, um, which is really not necessarily about me or anybody that's in national leadership, um, sometimes a, a common misconception is that the National Council or the board um, are all located in Stillwater, Oklahoma, um, which we're not. We're all located all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally, we'll get brothers that call national headquarters and ask to speak specifically to one of the national officers or board members in our, our national council, our national headquarters staff have to remind them. Well, they're not they're not in the office because none of them live in Stillwater uh, necessarily. Um, and so that's that's one that's always a, a, an inside joke at times to to not call headquarters to if you want to talk to any of us. Um, you know, outside of that, there's there's just been a lot of different experiences um, that I have I have gotten the privilege to be a part of um, with Kappa Kappa Psi. Uh, whether that was some of the more recent stuff uh, with Zach Humphrey and his development of of this podcast uh, mm-hmm. for the fraternity and seeing that um, I got to be on national council when Derek Mills was president um, and pushed heavily um, to get us what is now the OMRS. Uh, prior to that, everything was paper. Um, there was no I, online. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I was able to be a part of uh, the team that's had, unfortunately, address uh, different situations with the fraternity, whether it's involved in disciplinary action of chapters um, or, or the scares and concerns whenever we do have something uh, that may happen with a hazing allegation that may not even be true. Um, and you, you know, just being a part of all of that and seeing the work that the hours that some of these brothers that have dedicated themselves to the national leadership have put in. And I've been fortunate to build some some quality friendships with those people that I'll, I'll keep with the rest of my life. Very nice. And so being well, this being your 10th year, you must have seen the fraternity change quite a bit from uh, when you first entered the National Council to today. Is there anything is there anything like particularly that you're very like either proud of because maybe you were involved of or like you look fondly at in terms of like where we are today compared to where we were 10, 10 years ago? Sure. Sure. Um, I think there's a couple of different things that I would be most proud of Kappa Kappa Psi for. Um, and that, that's not your national leadership. That's not um, individual mm-hmm. people, but just as the fraternity as a whole. Oh, yeah. uh, some of the things that we have such a diverse membership. Um, and one of the best parts about being in Kappa Kappa Psi is that, like I said, it creates that family environment. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. If you're if, 
if you're in this fraternity, um, you're, you're accepted and you will always be accepted because this fraternity is about love. It's not about, um, hatred or anything like that. All the negative things that we sometimes see in the news. Um, and so it, it's very, it's a very prideful moment to know that I'm a part of an organization that cares deeply about its members and its brothers and that we treat each other just as brothers. If there was a particular instant that I'm most proud of, um, also for the fraternity, I think it would be at the 2017 National Convention um, where we adopted the road to wisdom. Um, and I, I realize that sometimes that's not the most popular thing with an individual chapter, um, but it is something that is in the best interest of this fraternity. And it guarantees mm-hmm. that every single member has an identical uh, membership education process that just prepares us to be the leaders that we're supposed to be. Um, you can memorize the 10 founding fathers' names. You can memorize all the purposes. Um, you can memorize the ritual if you want to. Uh, and those words don't mean anything if you're not living those values and the lessons that you learn and all of that information. That's what makes it important is that you demonstrate who you are and who we are as a fraternity uh, when you move out there. And I think we have brothers that do that each and every day. All right. That's fantastic to hear. I, I agree. I really I remember I was at the National Convention uh, when we I was there when we uh, adopted the road to wisdom. I was there when we <laughs> sang the hymn immediately afterwards. And I I could kind of feel the power and like the momentum in that room of the idea of kind of taking something and kind of just having us even more united together just under now, like under our education to make sure that every brother uh, has the same education in terms of our values and our, our, our duties as brothers and stuff. So I completely empathize. You, I can completely empathize with you with that. And, uh, I think that's uh, very exciting to just like, even think, look back upon and, uh, reflect on, uh, but you, you said you, you particularly enjoyed, uh, the 2017 convention out of all the national conventions you've been to do you think that's your favorite or was there another one that Ooh. maybe stuck out uh to maybe um, as, maybe like when you became ele- you were elected as a national president or some other uh convention sure sure uh you know I, I it's kind of hard to pinpoint one um that i would say was was my most favorite or anything because each and every one of them had unique experiences and, and unique opportunities um you know i I, I'll never forget the 2007 National Convention, which was also in Orlando, Florida. It was the mm-hmm. first national convention I attended, and I was Southwest District President. Um, and I've told this story a handful of times in front of crowds and things like that. But, you know, I went to that national convention. I'm not really sure what the fraternity was on a national level uh, mm-hmm. and came out of that convention understanding how bigger, how much, how much larger uh, and broader the power of brotherhood really is outside of just my chapter at UT Arlington or my district uh, with the Southwest District. Um, but, you know, I also had uh, opportunities to meet people from all over the country for the first time at that convention. Uh, you know, uh, I've told the story of how the Northeast District President at that time was uh, Jessica McElarney, um, which ended up, we ended up hitting it off pretty well. We ended up hitting it off pretty well. I can been imagine so. Almost 10 years. <laughs> and Very so nice. I, I do. I do joke with people when you attend national convention and you get to meet people, you never know when you're going to find your spouse there uh, <laughs> when, you, when you're not looking. Um, so there's that one that's always going to have a special place. Uh, 
know, 2009 is going to have a special place just from the standpoint of getting elected to the National Council for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, witnessing some of the work uh, that Derek Mills did as national president in his uh, in his convention in 2011 at Colorado Springs, uh, Wava speaking to the national delegation, both Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma. I believe that was her last time to speak to the national delegation and getting to be uh, there standing next to her and, and having that opportunity. Um, Adam Cantley serving as national president in, in 2013 um, in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and the work we did that was very much based on the values of the organization. Um, Christine's convention in, in 2015 in Lexington, Kentucky, which is obviously exciting because that was the one that I was elected national president at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2017 uh, in Orlando, Florida, where I felt like the fraternity took some solid leaps forward with some investment in the future of the organization as far as looking at some headquarters renovations uh, and work there along with the uh, Road to Wisdom and the National Membership Education Program. I I don't know if I have a favorite one because they've all been awesome. You don't need to. They all sound absolutely (laughs) terrific. They they all sound amazing. And I I mean, I only have one national convention to base my experience off of, the one in 2017, but uh, I I can completely understand where you're coming from because that was such a a special week for me, especially because I agree with you, like I, I've been to like a couple of district events, you know, did a lot of stuff in chapter, but like seeing all those brothers and sisters uh, down there in Orlando was truly a marvel. And it's it's amazing how like fast you can make a friendship with someone when, you know, you kind of have the same underlying ideals and values and stuff, because I just have to see someone in letters and be like, well, I know we at least have one thing in common. And that's, you know, our passion <laughs> for music, band uh, and, you know, service. So, oh, definitely, definitely. I can definitely understand uh, where where that comes from. And I I, I completely agree. But we've been we've been talking a bit about uh, your past and stuff, but looking ahead especially, uh, you know, we're coming up to the centennial of the fraternity, which is an exciting time. Uh, everyone I've been speaking to about uh, just, you know, the centennial celebration stuff, everyone, you know, their eyes light up. Is there anything specific uh, that at least you can, you know, go public with that you're really looking forward <laughs> to coming up in the next, you know, coming months, uh, coming year or so? Sure, sure. I think part of the the most exciting part about looking forward to our centennial is that it, it truly is a celebration of the work of Kappa Kappa Psi throughout the past 100 years. Um, and we are going to do quite a bit of celebrating when we're at national convention, um, just next summer in Stillwater, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, but part of that celebration also includes leading up to the convention in Stillwater as well as the few months afterwards um, as we get to November 19 or 2019, where we really do hit the true centennial. Um, you know, I mentioned a little bit about some of the work that I get tasked with as immediate past president is, is what national president Evan Thompson um, wants me to help out with. Um, and so I have I've been tasked with a couple of different uh, jobs uh, from Evan. One of those is working alongside past national president Ken Corbett um, as mm-hmm. the co-chair of the Centennial Celebration Committee, um, which is a, a group of very dedicated brothers, both actives and alums, um, that are trying to put together some of those fun activities and historical activities.
activities that are going to happen when we're all in Stillwater this coming July. Uh, some of that work has involved some some heavy digging in historical, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. the, histor- the history of the fraternity and preparing some of that. Some of that is working alongside Evan as national president um, and making sure that all of those celebrations coincide the way we want that he wants them to um, mm-hmm. with the national convention because we still have still have business that we have to do. Um, but I think it's it's safe to say that when we get to that national convention that we will have a solid day that's that's set aside for our centennial celebrations and people will have an opportunity um, to visit the shrine um, and I, we will do some work to rededicate that shrine now that we're 100 years um, and so there will be a shrine rededication ceremony that we're going to look at um, doing. We've also set up some walking tours so that you'll have the opportunity um, to visit some of the grave sites of some of our founding fathers, um, A. Frank Martin, um, our guiding yeah. spirit, Bo Makovsky. Um, they they are both buried there in Stillwater. Um, and then just the fact that you'll get to see headquarters and, and what headquarters is like, um, which is sometimes a, a, a little bit exciting for people because they don't realize um, what we're really working out of at headquarters with the train station that was purchased uh, many, many years ago uh, by some alpha alums um, that wanted to save the building and then turned around and sold that to Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma to be used as a headquarters. Um, So there's several different things that are going to happen that are exciting. I don't want to unleash all of them because that's part of Evan's job as national president. Um, But what I can say is that it is going to be a celebration of of each and every brother that we've ever seen um, moving forward as well as a celebration of the brothers that are yet to come because it's only 100 years. We've got many more to go after this. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing where we go go from there and i'm super look if i could like buy my registration ticket for a (laughs) national convention today i probably already would have purchased it but uh, that's great before i close uh before i close and uh, let you go i do want to ask just one last question just for anyone listening out there who's curious if other people wanted to get in contact you you know have any questions for you or just you know want to chat with you what would be the best way to go about that but the easiest way is obviously email. Um, and my email address has been the same for the past 10 years. I've been on national council. Um, it's lee.jack.d at gmail.com. I've had that Gmail account since you had to have an invitation to get a Gmail mm-hmm. account when they were first created. Um, and then obviously I am, uh, on Facebook and Twitter on Facebook. You can find me there. Uh, if you're really looking for the link to get to me, it's facebook.com forward slash J Dewey. Lee, D-E-W-E-Y Lee. It's my middle name. And then if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's Jack D. Lee. Um, And so you can get me at all of those. Uh, And if you ever need anything, I mean, don't hesitate to reach out. That's what we're here for. Um, That's what I'm here for. I'm happy to help with anything that I can. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jack, uh, for coming on in the podcast and, you know, just sharing a little bit about your history with the fraternity and, you know, what what really makes you excited, what makes you passionate about uh, being involved. Uh, I am looking forward to everything that's coming up in the coming months, and uh, I'm excited to see what you and the rest of the National Council is going to be up to uh, for coming into the next year. Uh, Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, Russell. Thanks for everything that you do. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So we just appreciate our listeners uh, listening in this evening. Uh, If you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas for next episodes for the podcast, please let us know by sending an email to communications at kksci.org. So stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to keep striving.